0: Volume 1, Chapter 4 of Evelyn, or A Heart Unmasked, by Anna Cora Mowat. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kelly Taylor. Chapter 4 The sunshine round seems dim and cold, the flowers are pale and life is old, and words fall soulless on my ear. Mrs. Hemans. From the same to the same. How strangely do we err in trusting implicitly to first impressions? Few exist that pure, exalted, and sensitive state of being which enables them to judge, as it were, by instinct, or from an inner consciousness of the qualities of a stranger. The angels through their celestial impurity and wisdom, must possess this ethereal-like perception. But until mortals resemble angels in the holiness of their lives, such an attribute can never be theirs. So thought I this morning, as I sat pondering upon the character of Amy Ewell on my first acquaintance with amy she appeared to be cold reserved and inanimate a being whose unruffled features were correct index of the immobility of her spirit but day by day i discover how strangely my hasty judgment has wronged her she wins without dazzling and subdues your heart almost before you are aware that it is impressed. She is a profound thinker, yet remarkable for her simplicity, well-read, yet too gentle to be ambitious of displaying her extensive knowledge. Her temper is placid, and, without wanting strength of character, she is more exquisitely feminine in her manners and disposition than any woman I ever knew. Her unvarying sincerity is one of her highest charms, though it at times causes her to seem cold and reserved. When I described her formerly, I told you that she was not decidedly pretty, though picturesque-looking. This word picturesque was suggested by the classical arrangement of her bright-colored hair, the peculiarly graceful- I might almost say poetical style of her dress, yet I beg to take back my words when I declared that she was not pretty. Her features are not regularly handsome, and her countenance is too serene to strike, but when she is roused, when her heart is touched, or her interest awakened, a warm glow overspreads her usually colorless cheeks and lights her clear blue eyes her somewhat full lip curls itself into an arch and seems to speak before her words her entire appearance and expression are altered for soul that seemed wanting changes the whole by its beautifying a presence i can now comprehend why evelyn loves her for evelyn I had just written the last word when a gentle tap sounded on my door, and as it opened I could not but murmur to myself, Parlez de suel, envoie ces for Evelyn herself entered, and to what could I compare her so appropriately as to a sunbeam? She was followed by Ellen, who begged that I would permit her to remain in my chamber while Evelyn paid a visit to Miss Hilson. I gladly consented, and hastily closing my secretary, wiped my pen. Evelyn disappeared, and I made Ellen sit down in the most comfortable corner of my little blue couch sofa, placing a pillow behind her for support. She silently looked her thanks. I can scarcely say smiled them, for the smile was too sad and too transient to merit the name. I knew that it was difficult to engage her in conversation, but kindness, or perhaps compassion, prompted me to make the attempt. Frederica Bremer's delightful tale of the neighbors was lying open on the sofa beside her. I took it up, as the nearest subject at hand, upon which I could seize, and said, "'This is a most charming book, this neighbor's. "'Have you read it, Ellen?' "'No,' was the discouraging answer. "'I believe you seldom read works of fiction.' "'The same monosyllabic reply. "'Still,' I continued, "'there are persons who object to all works of the imagination, "'but I cannot view every tale of fiction in an unfavorable light. "'I look upon the works of Frederica Bremer "'as a real blessing to mankind, to the weary and sad at heart.' to those who drag through the toilsome day harassed by care or oppressed by sorrow her productions are an inestimable blessing refreshment forgetfulness and even fortitude to encounter the trials of life may be found in their pages when i rise from the perusal of one of these tales i feel myself interiorly strengthened All that is good within me is summoned forth into active life, and all that is evil lies dormant. I paused a moment in my energetic discourse, but Ellen, although she had listened with attention, made no reply. Pray tell me, I added, why you never read works of fiction, I mean such works as these, which should rather be called works of fictitious realities. Ellen looked at me. Her lips moved tremulously, as though she was trying to speak, and she burst into tears. In an instant I was at her side, consoling her, embracing her, and entreating her to pardon me, although I knew not for what offence. She wept some time, almost without noticing my distress, but at last sobbed out. I do not read them, because... "'because they picture emotions which I must never feel "'and describe happiness which I can never know "'because I dare not.' "'I was shocked, and hardly knew what to answer. "'Before I could make up my mind what course to pursue, "'Ellen dried her tears and said, in a voice which showed "'that her burdened heart was for the first time finding vent,' "'Oh, Miss Bolton, you do not know how dreadful it is to live "'taking up a place in the world of which you form no part, "'your very life a misery to yourself and a burden to others, "'with nothing to look forward to, nothing to hope for, "'nothing to desire but death.' "'I was moved, and determined to speak boldly, if possible, "'to show this unfortunate girl her error.' ellen i replied with forced calmness can you think that it is the design of him who created all things for a wise end that any human being should merely fill a place in this world without being of service to his fellow-creatures and to himself god in giving us the various and wonderful faculties with which we are all to a greater or lesser degree endowed has evidently designed us to become forms of use. For to bestow a useless gift would be inconsistent with his wisdom. To some he has given the ten talents, to some five, and to some but one. But to all he has given at least that one. And have you a right to go and bury your one talent in the earth instead of using and increasing it to five? When you see that the reward of use is happiness, even in this world, that occupation brings enjoyment, that the only permanent happiness is found in active life, can you help being convinced that to be useful to others and to ourselves is our destined end? We learn this lesson from every tree, every herb, every flower that grows even from the meanest weed that we trample beneath our feet are they not all images of use springing up to some useful end does not every one possess some property serviceable to mankind and does not every one perform an appointed office there is virtue in the leaves even of the despised weed and look how it unfolds those leaves shoots forth blossoms and forms seeds "'which serves to propagate its species.' "'But of what use could I ever be in the world?' "'questioned Ellen mournfully. "'As a wife I can never become. "'I can never know the joy of being a mother. "'I can never brighten the home of one whom I may love. "'I must not even follow the impulses of my nature "'and dare to love. "'Look at me. "'I am too like the weed in appearance.' but have not its offices to perform. What you are, God has made you, and for a wise purpose, although it may be one which you cannot fathom, by repining you upbraid him, who will give you cause to rejoice even in your affliction, if you will but seek the cause. Because you can never fill the tender offices of wife and mother, must you neglect the thousand others which you can fill? And how do you know that you are not blessed in your very privations? It is not every wife that wears the thornless roses on her brow, nor every mother's heart that throbs with a joyful pulse. Their very cares and sorrows were preferable to an existence which resembles a sky without either cloud or sun. The instant that you serve others with a view to their happiness— that is from a principle of affection without any regard to selfish ends you will behold a sun of love brightening that unillumined sky but whom can i serve my father mother sister there are few kind offices i can perform for them to whom can i be useful ah ellen i replied Can you ask that question while this great city teems with the indigent and the suffering whose wretched existence might be rendered more tolerable through the exertions of a humane heart? But what have I to give? You know that charity must begin at home, but should sometimes travel abroad. Pardon me, Ellen, if I say that you do not understand the true meaning of the old adage, I agree with you that charity should begin at home, but what is the nature of this charity? A man is bound to provide food and raiment for his body, and to guard its health with a view that he may make that body a fit instrument for the operations of his soul. He is also bound to provide necessaries for his soul, to develop all its faculties, to seek the culture which will advance it in the understanding and wisdom, and all this with a view that his soul may have the capacity to serve his friends, his citizens, his country, and his God. This is the charity which begins at home. If you are thus charitable, you are charitable to yourself, which is the commencement of all charity. I acknowledge the truth of your reasoning, said Ellen, much softened, AND I WOULD WILLINGLY BE CHARITABLE, NOT ONLY TO MYSELF, BUT TO OTHERS IN THE COMMON EXCEPTION OF THE TERM, BUT, DEPENDENT AS I AM, WHAT HAVE I TO BESTOW UPON THE DESTITUTE? MUCH. IT IS NOT ALMS OF WHICH THE POOR ARE MOST IN NEED. THE MERE ALLEVIATION OF THEIR PHYSICAL WRETCHEDNESS IS NOT ALL THAT THEY REQUIRE they need sympathy and counsel to be taught economy for the poor are generally the improvident to be inspired with hope they need moral influence not bread alone but the spiritual food which will exalt their minds and thus elevate their condition all this you can bestow you can become an instrument of good dispensing blessings as you pass along and breathing in the ear of misery those words of consolation and peace which sink into the sullen soul and win him o'er to virtue if i judge your heart aright you would in performing these duties receive inexpressible gratification and amongst the brambles and weeds which you must necessarily encounter "'you will sometimes find a neglected flower "'whose wild beauty deserves richer soil.' "'Why have I never thought of all this before? "'What a different life I might have led!' exclaimed Ellen. "'You have been a friend to me,' continued she with emotion, "'and heaven only knows how much I needed one. "'I will try to profit by your counsel, "'but I hardly know how to begin.' "'At this moment our conversation was interrupted by the entrance of Evelyn and Laura. Evelyn's quick eyes instantly remarked the unusual animation apparent upon Ellen's countenance, from which the traces of tears had not yet vanished. She turned to me and said, Why, Miss Bolton, what have you been doing? What a shower of dewdrops you have been flinging over our Mimosetta! This is a playful name which she has given to ellen on account of her resemblance to the mimosa or sensitive plant before i could reply laura hilson made some not very courteous observation upon the closeness of the room and followed it by a less courteous denunciation of all small rooms and small rooms on fourth floors in particular to tell the truth, I was not sorry that she found my chamber, in vulgar parlance, too hot to hold her. It is wise to look for good in everything and everybody, but I never could have the wisdom to find, or rather was never encouraged to look for anything good in Miss Hilson. Her manners repel me, and I cannot like her. I am sorry that she is so intimate with Evelyn, for her friendship cannot be productive of good. Evelyn was in haste, and the party soon took their leave. When Ellen bade me adieu, I felt her hand tremble as it pressed mine, and the grateful and affectionate expression of her still humid eyes made my heart beat tumultuously. Ah! If I could but lend sunshine to her life! What reflected brightness would irradiate mine own? End of chapter 4